Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative to this guy for wisdom. Have you seen this latest, uh, this latest letter? Statement, I guess, by Donald J. Trump. Uh, have you? I've got it here in front of me. Here's what, here's what Donald J. Trump says. He says, have you noticed that they are now admitting I was right about everything they lied about before the election? Question mark. And then he's got a list here, of course, of things that he's been vindicated about, things that he said were true, that they mocked him, ridiculed him, uh, uh, censored him for. So we got hydroxychloroquine works. Check. The virus came from a Chinese lab, check. Hunter's Biden laptop was real. The Russian bounty story was fake. Blue state lockdowns didn't work. Schools should be reopened. Critical race theory is a disaster for our schools and our country. And our southern border security program under Trump was unprecedentedly successful. Folks, I love this. I love Donald Trump. I love that he keeps putting this stuff out there because he has been vindicated. But I want to I want to focus, of course, on this hydroxychloroquine uh, thing that Donald Trump had said worked, and he wasn't only just ridiculed for it; he was shut down. His own son was censored, and Twitter, Facebook, of course, that mob, they of course removed all those stories, flagged them, took them down, eliminated people from Twitter who were making the same claims, and. This is really important to, I guess, demonstrate how dangerous the situation is in America, of course, for one. But uh, I want to take you back in a time machine to July of 2020. I know, I know, a lot's happened. It seems like a long time ago. Believe me, just in the last few months since the fake Joe Biden uh, seized the Oval Office... Uh, we've obviously seen this country regress far beyond, of course, anyone's wildest dreams. But back in July of 2020, Dr. Fauci said, we know, this is about hydroxychloroquine, mind you, we know that every single good study, and by good study, I mean randomized control study in which the data are firm and believable, has shown that hydroxychloroquine is not effective in the treatment of COVID-19. Now remember that time. So Donald Trump, of course, promoted that hydroxychloroquine worked. Uh, he suggested, I mean, that was, that was what he took himself when he came down with COVID and suffered some pretty severe uh, symptoms, of course. And he was lambasted. He was called irresponsible. And again, his own son was canceled, was taken down from Twitter, Twitter from, from suggesting that hydroxychloroquine was effective in treating COVID. And here you have, of course, in 2020, Dr. Fauci saying that hydroxychloroquine was proven to be ineffective, of course, because he's the scientist. He's been following the science all along, folks. Now, I want to share with you a story from Yahoo News that came out today. Here's the headline. Study shows hydroxychloroquine and zinc treatments, which is what Donald Trump took, increased coronavirus survival rate by almost three times. 
Can I say that again? Increased survival rate by almost three times. So here we have another example of Donald Trump being vindicated. Everything that was said about Trump for four years was a lie. Every, you know, they did not put public health first. They put the Democrat Party first. And that's what they always do. This is so... Folks, I'm having a hard time, to be honest today, uh, keeping my cool. Because hydroxychloroquine and zinc treatments are now proven to increase coronavirus survival rates by almost three times. And yet, our own CDC, our own government, refuse to allow the issuance and the usage of these two things, hydroxychloroquine, these two treatment options, they forbid them from being used. How many lives have been lost to COVID because doctors were forbidden from using what has now been proven to be effective? Fauci is a criminal. He's responsible. You know, we've seen it. Fauci lied. People died. You know, I'm not often a big fan of these kinds of statements because the Democrat Party does it all the time. But in this case, it's absolutely true. Dr. Fauci did lie about hydroxychloroquine and people died. But the question is not, well, I guess I want to put it this way to you folks. The question is, why would they do this? Why would they put down these treatment options that were pre-existing before we even had this vaccine? And I'm going to get to a story about that later, by the way, about the ineffectiveness of this vaccine. But they refused to admit that this was effective. And they pushed it down and down and down until today it comes out that it works. But we've already got the vaccine and countless millions of Americans have taken the vaccine. A vaccine is not necessary. This is saying, as a matter of fact, that these two treatment options that already existed could have saved countless millions, countless tens of thousands of lives, I should say. All right? I mean, by almost three times. So... This gets them into a lot of skepticism about this vaccine. The vaccine's not necessary. It hasn't been needed. We could have saved lives using things that already existed. And of course, you don't hear Fauci ever say that the vaccine is ineffective, despite the fact, look, I've got a story here somewhere, and uh, I'll just tell you from memory, a, a uh, fully vaccinated cruise uh, just went out. I'll get to the details of which cruise ship it was. It's really irrelevant, but it was a fully vaccinated cruise. That was a criteria of getting on this cruise ship. Everyone had to be fully vaccinated. So they go out and two passengers, it turns out, on this fully vaccinated cruise have been quarantined after testing positive for COVID. So all you folks out there who are talking about this vaccine, so amazing, the vaccine, got to get the vaccine. Everyone has to get the vaccine. Why? I mean, two passengers on this fully vaccinated cruise have been quarantined. What changed? Remember quarantines? Haven't heard that word in a little while. Well, they're being quarantined as if it's March of 2020 and we don't have a vaccine. So this is absolutely absurd, folks. Um, I want to level with you. This is called The Drew Allen Show. Now, it's not about me per se, although it is kind of about me, of course, because I'm the one sitting behind this microphone talking to you. But... I couldn't wait to get home behind this microphone, and I got to tell you, so I work a full-time job. I, I work nine to six, sometimes seven, 
uh, five days a week. And, you know, I fit in them in my free time. Basically, I have the hours before 9 a.m. and after uh, 6.30 or 7 p.m. Uh, to work on either this podcast or writing for the different um, articles and, and, and these different publications that I do, AM Greatness and PJ Media, etc. Now, I'm not a victim. I'm just telling you this because I want to get behind this microphone more often. But, uh, you know, those of you listening, I, I, I view as family. And, uh, you know, this is just the situation we're in, you know, so, so I'm trying to get more and more consistent here. I want to do this all the time. And, you know, you can help me get there if you're enjoying this by just spreading the word. Uh, and it's not just about me, but I think that what I have to say is important. And, well, I say it better than a lot of people, to be honest. I'm 34. I have this great training as an actor. And uh, we keep things fun on the show and informed. I'm going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we've got a lot to cover. This is, of course, a jam-packed show, just like every one of them is. I- I've said on a couple radio shows, man, I-, 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 I wish that I had nothing to say. I wish I had nothing to talk about because that would be a sign of recovering America. But unfortunately, things are getting worse and worse by the day. There is some good news I'm going to share with you throughout this program because that's what we do. We're optimists here, and we're never giving up, and we're going to fight until our last breath to save this country. But there is a lot going on out there. It just gets worse and worse by the day. Uh, But give me a moment. I'm going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. So the latest out here in uh, communist California, where I live, So Gavin Newsom has now announced a Taco Bell giveaway, (laughs) a Taco Bell giveaway. He's partnering with Taco Bell to give away calorie, high calorie, uh, obesity causing uh, tacos if people will get vaccinated in California. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I've had Taco Bell. I like Taco Bell. It's fine, okay? But but the point is, there's a lot of irony in this because, uh, well, well, on the I guess the first point, which is hilarious, of course, is that, you know, all of these different uh, liberal Marxist Democrats throughout this country and these different states seem to be competing to uh, outdo one another with their fast food giveaways. Remember we had communist uh, Bill de Blasio who was giving away Shake Shack fries if you were going to get vaccinated. Now, now Gavin Newsom's one-upping him. I'm going to give away free Taco Bell. But, of course, the irony that I'm talking about is the fact that we know, as, as a matter of fact at this point, the science tells us that those who are the most susceptible and who are most in danger of suffering death from COVID are the obese. And so what better way to promote health and get rid of COVID and save lives than to encourage people to eat fast food. You know, I thought all these liberals were against fast food. You know, they all wanted these organic diets. They want you to eat more lettuce, and they want to get rid of, you know, hamburgers and cows or, you know, their farts are putting CO2 in the atmosphere, which are causing our inevitable end of, of this earth and, and civilization as we know it. You know, the whole world's going to be underwater soon because cows are farting too much. But uh, I guess, you know, that doesn't matter right now. Gavin Newsom is is announcing that beef tacos, uh, if you know, if, if you'll get vaccinated, he's going to give you a beef taco. 
These people are incredible. But anyway, I, I want to get into there's some there are a lot of issues I want to get into today, and of course they are um, systemic to the uh, pathetic, dangerous, and well psychologically ill left in this country, the Democrats. So Fauci, of course, who uh, said that hydroxychloroquine didn't work, which has now been proven to be a lie. Uh, Fauci, who said in a private email, as we've talked about ad nauseum on this program, that masks, the masks that we buy and that 99.9% of Americans are wearing are ineffective because the size of the virus is small enough to get through any mask that Americans are wearing, who said that social distancing wasn't even effective uh, a year ago if we didn't have a vaccine already ready. So this guy's credibility is in ruins, and he's a liar, and he has uh, blood on his hands, so to speak, as the Democrats would like to say. But we have another clip now of Fauci still going out on the circuit, and as revelations continue to pour out that he is an oppressor, a tyrant, and a little, little man with Napoleon syndrome, uh, who has great ambitions of being a dictator himself. Well, of course, you know, his lies throughout the past year and a half now almost have caused unprecedented ruin and suffering for the middle class, for Americans across the board. We have seen our rights seized uh, because of his anti-science campaign that he claims is science. And he's still claiming to be the victim. And this is important because this is typical, prototypical, stereotypical of the Democrat Party, right? They cause problems. Uh, they cause ruin. They're guilty people, guilty as sin. And then they claim to be the victim, despite the fact that we, the people, are the victims of their insanity, treachery, and lies. So I want to play a clip of Fauci here because it's indicative of the Democrat Party. Here we go. He actually went on uh, Chelsea Clinton, who, by the way, when you hear her voice, the Clintons and the Democrats are the most boring people ever. Uh, they can't talk off the cup as off the cuff as I do every day in, day in and day out here when I get behind this microphone. They have no ability to talk about anything. They're not entertaining. They're not interesting. They're boring dictators. So here we go. Let me get this queued up for you. So many different public health challenges and also imperatives. How do you think we rebuild trust in science and especially trust in, in vaccines and vaccinations? That is something that is not going to happen easily. Chelsea, I think that we may have to find ways, and, and that's a complicated issue, as you all know probably better than I do. It's a complicated issue of how you heal uh, the differences and, and the hostility. I mean, I've been the object myself of a phenomenal amount of hostility merely because I'm promoting what are really fundamental, simple public health principles. That seems astounding that that would generate a considerable degree of hostility. But it is. It is. So I don't think the answer is... Well, there you have it, folks. And to finish his sentence, he doesn't think the answer is more hostility. You know, why should we, the people, be hostile towards someone who is a dictator? Why should we be hostile towards someone who has uh, abjectly uh, lied to us for over a year? Why should we be hostile to our oppressors? 
You know, the, the, the people in the Democrat Party, I always refer to as suffering from Stockholm Syndrome because they defend people like Fauci, who are the ones who have subjected us through lies to absolute suffering over the last year. Fauci has lied to us time and time again. And those of you who have family members or friends who have died from COVID, I would remind you that their lives could likely have been saved had they been administered hydroxychloroquine and zinc. And yet, through Fauci's lies and direction, the CDC, the FDA, etc., have made the administration of those drugs outlawed. So your loved ones would likely be here had Fauci not prohibited the administration of those life-saving drugs that already existed and had been approved. And while hydroxychloroquine, of course, and zinc had been prohibited from being used, the vaccine is being forced, the injections are being forced, essentially, into the arms of the American people. Now, that's an emergency issuance, of course, which, of at this point, no one can say what the results and long-term effects of the vaccine are going to be. But we actually know now that hydroxychloroquine and zinc worked, and yet those, the issuance of those, were prohibited. So I'm sorry to say to those of you who've bought into this lie, uh, you've been bamboozled, folks. I'm sorry. And if you're not upset with Fauci, if you haven't seen the light yet that the government uh, is a joke, that the Democrat Party is a joke, that they are vile, deceitful, and evil, well, I don't know. Keep listening to this program. Maybe I'll get through to you. But this is uh, probably the most damning revelation yet because uh, this is indication that the American government actually... uh, participated in the murder and death of countless Americans because those life-saving drugs could have been administered but were not allowed and permitted. And now we have this vaccine that uh, is still under an emergency authorization issue. And that's the same thing that they stated hydroxychloroquine was under. And yet that was effective And the vaccine is under the same uh, category as hydroxychloroquine. And that's promoted and hydroxychloroquine was prevented. So here we go. And we've also got, of course, the CDC, a a top CDC official that's telling us that the U.S. isn't ready for the next pandemic. Well, how can you ever be ready for the next pandemic? Because you don't know what the virus is, what the next pandemic is. How can you prepare for that? Anyhow, but back to Fauci, he's a victim. He's playing the victim card. That's what the Democrat Party does. And the point is, the structure of the Democrat Party is based on victimhood. This has been true for so long. And this is, this is perhaps the most important point to make. The, the, the very structure 
of the Democrat Party. That is to say, uh, their initiatives in terms of promoting themselves and what they build themselves upon is not solution-oriented. The Democrat Party can't succeed if there aren't problems, illnesses in America. Because the foundation of the Democrat Party is based upon the idea that there, are, there is systemic racism in the country, uh, there are problems in the country, and they have to solve them. If the problems were solved, the De Democrat Party would cease to exist because their entire existence is dependent upon there being issues for them to solve. So let me put it this way. If the Democrat Party actually solved the alleged problems they're saying exist in the world that they, by the way, have created, if they solve those problems, they would cease to have a reason to exist. But they're no different than these corporate monopolies that we decry day in and day out. Look, look at what happened, for example, let me, let, me, let me say it this way. Remember what happened to Parler. Okay, the alternative to Twitter. Uh, the big tech oligarchies in this country got together and they tried to destroy them, eradicate them, eliminate them from existence off the face of the earth. Remember that Amazon and some of these others basically control, uh, that are controlling the internet and these um, platforms in which they can exist. You know, they were taken off, Parler was taken off the iTunes store, for example. They had their servers removed, okay? These people aren't interested in competition. The Democrat Party is the same way. They don't want to compete in the world of ideas. They don't want to have any competition. They don't want to have to compete with people and put themselves out there and put their ideas forward, uh, you know, to compete with, with another idea that might be superior, they want to eliminate competition, and the competition is my voice. The competition is our voices. It is conservatism. They don't want to have to compete with our solutions. And so that's why they're trying to destroy us, because they don't present solutions. And I've promised for a couple episodes now that I was going to get back into Thomas Sowell and what converted him from communist to conservative. And it was this very point that what the Democrat Party does doesn't solve problems. They don't, they're not interested in solving problems. And for Thomas Sowell, it was the issue of the minimum wage. And I'm going to play here for you Thomas Sowell talking about his conversion. And then we're going to get into these broader themes. Uh, but before I get into Thomas Sowell, and I promise I'm going to get there in just a second, I, I want to talk to you again, and we're going to put a button on this for at least this episode about this hydroxychloroquine, um, well, scam, to be honest, because as we've said, it works, and the Democrat Party and Fauci and the rest refuse to permit its uh, issuance. So here I have an article. This is an FDA news release. This is from June, June 15th of 2020. Here's the, here's the headline of the release. Coronavirus update. FDA revokes 
emergency use authorization for chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine. Today, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration that allowed for chloroquine phosphate and hydroxychloroquine sulfate donated to the strategic national stockpile to be used to treat certain hospi hospitalized, hospitalized patients with COVID-19 when a clinical trial was unavailable, whatever, the agency determined that the legal criteria for issuing an EUA are no longer met. So they rescinded uh, the usage for these life-saving drugs while they have forced the vaccines on us, which are also under an EUA. This is so damning, folks. But let me get to Thomas Sowell. I want to play this for you because it's very, very important to understand the Democrat Party. So what, what converted you? You graduate from Harvard, a Marxist. You remain a Marxist throughout your 20s. And you've written that you had a summer job in Washington in 1969. Uh, 1960. 1960, I beg your pardon. In 1960, that helped to, or that, well, that just changed your views on yes. economics. Well, explain that. Uh, I mean, I was still a Marxist after taking Milton Friedman's course. Uh, but I, 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 wondered, I but, but one, one summer in the government was enough to let me say, no, this government is really not the answer. I mean, that is... <laughs> Milton Friedman didn't cure you, but the federal government did. The federal government did. So no, what, never say the federal government doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was it in, about the job? Well, I, 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 what, my job was to look, look at, to study minimum wage uh, setting in, in Puerto Rico. And of course, there and I discovered that as they kept raising the minimum Department of Labor, or uh, yes. you're collecting statistics for something. Okay. Yeah, All right, got it, got and for a report, report. And and I, I noticed that as they kept raising the minimum wage, the, the employment kept going down. And of course, the economics was saying that was why. But the there were two theories. The uh, uh, the, the, the unions and uh, said that uh, the reason it was going down was that uh, there were hurricanes came through a series of hurricanes uh, during the time they collected the data and that uh, it destroyed the, the sugar cane in the field so there was less required to be processed and so the question is which of those is right and I and I thought I'd been trained in Chicago that if there are two different theories there must be some factual thing that would be different at least in principle. So I spent the whole summer trying to figure out what, 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 how would I test this? And finally I came in one day and announced to the little group here in the office that I have it. That what we need are statistics on the amount of sugar cane standing in the field before the, before the hurricane came through. And I'm waiting for the congratulations. I can see look of, looks of shock in the room like this idiot has stumbled on something that will ruin us all. You know? <laughs> and I realized I was concerned as to whether this law was beneficial or not beneficial to low-income people. They were concerned because this law was providing one-third of the income of the U.S. Department of Labor. And once you begin to see that the government agencies have their own self-interest, quite aside from what it, whatever they're theoretically supposed to be doing. So they were behaving precisely as a neoclassical, precisely as Milton Friedman would have predicted, they were in pursuit of their own incentives. That's right. They didn't want, they weren't trying to, they were not trying to establish justice on the face of the earth. They were trying to hold on to pretty good jobs. Yes. Got it. There it is. They weren't trying to establish justice on the earth. 
They were trying to hold on to pretty good paying jobs. And that's what the Democrat Party is doing. Their jobs as Democrats, their jobs as totalitarians. And that is such an illuminating statement by the great Thomas Sowell. He went to work for the government and he realized that the minimum wage laws were not having the effects and outcome and outcomes of improving lives that the Democrats were suggesting and saying that it was going to create. In fact, the, the, the results were the opposite. This is the Democrat Party, folks. Their solutions aren't intended to solve problems. Their, sol their solutions are not solutions at all, and their solutions are intended to create further harm, further problems, so that they can continue to put themselves forward as being the great advocates of change and hope and help and, uh, you know, the great friend of the American people. And we've got to get back into, because I think one of the most recent examples of this that proves it is what Barack Obama did, of course, in 2016 before he left office by eliminating that uh, voucher program in Washington, D.C. It was proven to be effective. Over 1,700 minority uh, young people got out of poverty, got out of the D.C. ruinous disaster uh, a school system there that produced illiterate individuals who weren't capable of becoming functioning, contributing members of society, he eliminated that program, which was proven to be successful. The Democrat Party backs programs that do not benefit society. Because as I said, the structure of their party is built upon the need of proliferating more problems. Because they can't exist without having those problems in the world to market themselves as trying to solve. And whether it's the war on poverty or the war on this or the war on that. Whenever I hear the word, the war on this. You know, you know what raised my ears with COVID was when they started relating it to a war. Like the war on COVID-19. Well, we know from history, whenever the government wages a war against anything, we are destined to lose. And here is Thomas Sowell admitting that when he went to work for the government as a Marxist, he finally learned their true intentions. They didn't want to solve problems. In fact, all their solutions were, 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 were aimed at uh, continuing these problems in the world. And the facts don't matter. You see, here's the thing with the Democrat Party, folks, that separates you and I, the conservatives, who actually want to improve society and create a more perfect union from the left. The, the left uh, and the Democrat voter does not judge their politicians by results, okay? They are judged based on their stated intentions, so when the Democrat Party says, for example, well, you know, we really are worried about gun violence in this country. You know, there's a, there's a proliferation of gun violence. So we want to solve the gun epidemic and pandemic in this country by removing guns from law-abiding citizens. Well, you know, they're, they're shrouding their 
intentions and the nobility of trying to solve gun violence. But when you look at places like Chicago, uh, Los Angeles, basically anywhere where you have the strictest gun control regulations in the country, the result is the highest gun violence in the country. And so the definition of insanity, of course, is doing the same thing and expecting different results. And that's what's going on here. Even though the results on their face, statistics and everything, prove that tighter gun restrictions cause increases in gun violence, the Democrat Party continues to push forward with this objective. They want more gun control, even though the places where they have the tightest gun control create the highest gun crimes and crime rates in the country. But you and I, of course, the conservative, actually want to solve these problems. But the Democrats aren't interested in that. They've never been interested in that. And it's such a myth that the Democrat Party had a big switch, for example, you know, and they were once the party of the KKK and racism, and all of a sudden they switched and they're the friend of black Americans and minorities in this country. They're not. What they realized was that in order not to get shellacked at the polls and to, uh, you know, basically go into the grave in terms of their party, they decided to uh, pander uh, to these minority parties, create a permanent victim class and keep them down, and then to present themselves as their saviors. What has the Democrat Party and their policies, what have they ever achieved? Nothing is the point. They never achieve anything. They never solve any problem. But it's very important to understand that their goal is not really to solve the problem. Sure, the Democrat voter, the average Democrat voter, believes that they're, you know, uh, the party of empathy and sympathy and, and open-mindedness and so on and so forth, but it couldn't be further from the truth. In the state of California where I, I live, for example, is ground zero for the, the totalitarianism. Look, you know, I mean, the policies of the Democrat Party at the national level under this phony Biden administration and the rest are to make America California. Who wants to be California? Californians are fleeing. Even liberal Democrat voters in California are fleeing because, look, California cannot blame a single Republican for anything that's wrong in this state because we have a one-party state. There are few, if any, Republicans that are even in the state legislatures. They own everything, including the governorship, and they have for a long time. And their policies are responsible for the destruction of California. And yet Democrat voters like locusts flee California, go into these other red states, and somehow, because they're insane or stupid or ignorant, I don't understand, they flee the state whether it's because of crime, homelessness, or onerous taxes, and go to these other states that benefit them, and then they vote for Democrats. They are absolutely, I mean, these people are living in the dark ages, absolute totalitarian darkness and ignorance. And in that clip with Thomas Sill, you have him admitting decades ago, decades ago, more than 20 years ago, you know, when he was working for that government agency, he knew then, in his early career, that the minimum wage destroyed jobs, was destructive to low-wage workers, 
and did not help them arise from their current stations in life. And yet, what do we have the Democrat Party still promoting this very day? A minimum wage, an increase in the minimum wage nationwide. It didn't work then. It didn't work 20 years ago. It didn't work 10 years ago. And it doesn't work today. And yet the Democrat Party still pushes this forward. How any Democrat, well, I, I, I just, I don't know. You know, it's very, very difficult to understand the Democrat. I mean, I do understand the Democrat because they've been fed a bunch of baloney. Um, but they don't live in reality. And that's the point. But what's going to happen is uh, they're going to be hit in the face with reality very soon. The question is, when they're hit in the face with reality, will they wake up? Will they become enlightened and join us? Those who understand the real world. Those who live in the real world. I, I Did you hear about Ted Wheeler? Ted Wheeler's the mayor of Portland, by the way. He never uh, wanted to point a finger or say an unkind word against Antifa or BLM while they've looted, uh, destroyed, burned down uh, you know, the streets of Portland over the past year plus. But guess what just happened to him recently? Well, Ted Wheeler was dining, I believe, at a sushi restaurant in Portland, and he was accosted by someone from Antifa. They yelled at him, folks. Can you believe it? In fact, you know, so, so he's dining at this restaurant, and he gets shouted down by Antifa, threatened, etc. And he came out and said, you know, they're crossing a whole different line this time. Well, there you go, Ted Wheeler. Welcome to our world, the conservative world. Remember, of course, when Rand Paul, Dan Bongino, and numerous other conservatives were leaving um, uh, the, the Rose Garden of the White House when Trump was still in office, they were attacked. Uh, Rand Paul had to be protected by uh, Capitol Police officers from harm coming to him and his family as he tried to walk back to his hotel or his home. And this happened to many people leaving that event. And of course, we had images also in D.C. of innocent Americans who were just sitting. Uh, this happened throughout the country, I believe. But for example, people are sitting, you, your family, sitting, dining in peace, enjoying one another's company, as you should. And all of a sudden, a BLM game, gang comes walking through and demands that you, you know, shout out that you're in solidarity with BLM. And when you don't do it, they continue to scream at you. Well, this has been happening to Americans throughout the country. But of course, Democrats don't care unless it starts happening to them. And that's the point. This always comes back. The chickens come home to roost. And whether, you know, all these Democrats, for example, who uh, voted for Joe Biden, for example, and continue to support him and his insane policies, they continue to support this insane $2.2 trillion infrastructure plan, $6 trillion here, $6 trillion there. We have $30 trillion of debt in this country. And we now know, as a matter of fact, that inflation is here. It's not coming. It's here. And it's only going to get worse. Uh, restaurants, for example, are having to raise their uh, prices of their food on their menus. They're having to substitute other things that are cheaper. They're having to figure out how to pay for things. Lumber prices are through the roof. Oil and gasoline prices are going up 60 cents by the day in some cases. This is inflation. Well, if you're making the same salary and you're a middle class or low income voter and you drive a car, for example, well, guess what? You have less money to spend because the, cast, the, the cost of gasoline to put in your vehicle is going up, which means you have less money to spend 
less disposable income. When you go out to eat and the food prices have doubled, well, guess what? You're still making the same income, but you're paying double for food. At grocery stores, you're paying double for food. Prices are rising. That is inflation. The dollar is worth less than it was yesterday. And these are the results of Democrat policies. This is what you voted for and you supported. And this is the message. You're all going to be Ted Wheeler because you fail to understand that you are going to suffer under these very policies that you're supporting. You know, I had a conversation. This is how insane the left is, by the way, how indoctrinated they are, how sick they are. This Marxist cancer that is spreading throughout our country. So in California, I met a nice couple from Florida. And when people come from out of state, I like to talk to them about their experience over the last year, especially when they're from places like the free state of Florida. Because in many cases, they don't understand what we've gone through because there have been two Americas over the last year. The free states and the slave states. I happen to live in a slave state, but Florida is the freest state in the union. And so I asked uh, this young girl who was with her boyfriend, I said, well, how was your experience over the last year throughout COVID? And she said to me, well, uh, nothing changed, actually. Everything stayed open. Everything was fine. You know, my, my life experience didn't change uh, at all. I just continued to live my life, continued to go out to dinner, continued to work. Uh, it was great. And I said, well, you know, you, you've got that governor, uh, DeSantis, there who, who kept things open. And she said, oh, DeSantis. Yeah, we got to get rid of him. I said, really? You got to get rid of him? She said, well, you know, it's nice that, you know, we were open and everything, but he is an amoral person. The fact that he just uh, passed this, uh, this law in, in Florida, you know, to discriminate against uh, transgender athletes, not allowing them to compete. Uh, you know, for example, not allowing biological males to compete in women's sports. Well, he's just an amoral person, a sick person. And he's got to go. Can you imagine, folks? This is an upside down world. You're discriminating against females. You're anti women's rights when you support men, biological men who cut off whatever or take pills to grow whatever uh, to compete in women's sports. That is not fair. I mean, I cannot believe that we're living in an age in which we have to discuss and debate about, you know, the righteousness of biological males competing in women's sports. I cannot believe we have to entertain these discussions about choosing your own pronoun with Kellogg's teaching your children. Mr. Potato Head, you know, it's, it's wrong that, you know, there's a mister in front of his head and he has to be Potato Head. That anyone can continue to claim allegiance to the Democrat Party is beyond me at this point. And of course, Kamala Harris, when she went to the border, said she was going to try and understand the root cause of the immigration. You know, when you hear the root cause, by the way, and some Democrats say they're going to study the root cause, it means they're going to study nothing. Zilch. Zippity nothing. And I'm hoping that more and more people are starting to wake up. But I'm very perturbed when I hear people like this girl I talked to from Florida who, <laughs> who think that Governor DeSantis is an evil person uh, for supporting women's rights while also exclaiming that she's thankful that her state's been open. And yet she's willing to throw that all away because of her indoctrination about 
somehow uh, transgenderism, biological males competing with women's sports is the moral issue of our time. You know, this is what we're up against, folks. This is what we're dealing with. And uh, when we get back, we're going to talk about a couple other issues. The Clintons, of course. Uh, well, a, a, another person who came out of, uh, against the Clintons is dead. Uh, there are more people around the Clintons who have committed suicide than, well, anyone else in world history, as a matter of fact. I mean, this is like Vladimir Putin-level stuff. And I'm not talking about a conspiracy here. I'm just objectively stating the fact. It's an observation. It's very peculiar that so many people who come out, come out against the Clintons, who have information about the Clintons, wind up dead. And it's suicide every time. It's very bizarre. How many of you listening to me right now, uh, how many of you know people who have committed suicide? Look, I understand it's a real issue. Maybe there's someone in your family who's, who's gone through depression or something like this. But for the Clintons, this is like a yearly thing that happens. You speak out against them, and you're dead. I'm just saying, objectively, you know, this is not normal. But uh, let's take a quick break here. We'll get back. We'll cover a couple other issues. And I want to finish with COVID. I keep saying I want to get away from it, but I can't because this is actually the issue of our time. And um, it's frightening what they've done with COVID to eradicate our, our, our rights, to transform our understanding of our government, and basically bring about Marxism and the United States of America. This is Drew Allen. We'll be right back. Travelgate. Well, if you're my age, you probably don't know what that is, but I am a student of history, and of course, I understand what Travelgate was. Travelgate was one of the first of the many Clinton scandals under the corrupt. Well, then, at, at that point, the Clinton administration was perhaps the most corrupt uh, administration in American history before the Obama administration. But Travelgate, of course, you know, there was a uh, group in place of individuals uh, at the White House under which uh, the travel of the American president and the first lady uh, were organized and conducted. And the heart of the matter, of course, was an, an, an ethics complaint. So Mrs. Clinton wanted to uh, engage in cronyism. So she sought to malign those people who were already occupying the travel office in the bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. there and uh, fire them so that she could then outsource that job to her friends in Little Rock, Arkansas, which, of course, is where uh, Bill Clinton was from, where he was governor of the state of Arkansas. And so Hillary Clinton was engaged in the malignment and firing of the travel office so that she could replace those jobs with her friends at a firm in Little Rock, Arkansas, which of course would be a um, conflict of interest and a violation of ethics in any business, but especially in the highest office of the land. But of course, the Clintons uh, never abided by that, never lived up to it because they were feces. They were the lowest um, 
types of depraved individuals in this country. And so that's the heart of the Travelgate scandal, folks. Hillary Clinton wanted to get rid of those who were actually doing the job and replace them and give that work to her friends at a firm in Little Rock, Arkansas. And so Vince Foster died by suicide. Do you remember Vince Foster? If you don't, I'll edify you. Vince Foster was uh, an attorney, an American attorney, and he served as the deputy White House counsel during the first six months of the Clinton administration. Now, he is the one who repeatedly went to uh, Mrs. Clinton during this Travelgate scandal and urged her that there were issues with this. Vince Foster was intimately involved as the uh, counsel to Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton in the White House, intimately involved with the details of her efforts to fire the individuals in the travel office and replace them with her friends via uh, cronyism. And when the word start, started to get out, of course, that this was going on and that she was intimately involved herself with making this happen, which was obviously a clear example of corruption and an ethical violation at the highest office of the land, uh, she started to blame, uh, of course, and point the finger at Vince Foster. Now, Vince Foster, of course, who had information, intimate knowledge of what Hillary Clinton had been doing, who was speaking and having meetings with the FBI as the investigation was going on, well, he mysteriously fell ill and his body was found uh, dead. And the verdict, of course, was suicide. But Vince Foster's not the only one around the Clintons who knew of her corruption, who came to a quick end and demise. Uh, there's another one as well. Does the name Seth Rich... Seth Rich, ring a bell, anyone? <clears throat> well, uh, I believe it was in 2016 when he come, came to an untimely end, supposedly gunned down in the streets uh, nearby his safe Washington, D.C. neighborhood in a armed robbery gone wrong. Well, of course, Seth Rich was revealed by Julian Assange to have been his source for the famous WikiLeaks. Now, the WikiLeaks, of course were that uh, the dump of DNC emails, uh, tens of thousands, I believe, uh, amongst which it was revealed in these emails that the Democrat National Committee, Committee actively participated in destroying Bernie Sanders and selecting Hillary Clinton through corruption as their candidate. Uh, this is the, the, the one where they went back and forth in the DNC with Debbie Washman Schultz and many other prominent Democrats who were responsible for uh, putting together the committee and selecting the Democrat nominee, uh, basically trying to attack Sanders and figure out a way to get him out of the way so that Hillary Clinton could come forward. So Julian Assange, who put forward the WikiLeaks and revealed them, he said that Seth Rich, of course, was his source. Seth Rich was then murdered. Interesting that another man uh, who was associated with the Democrat National Committee, uh, who had information on his laptop as a data analyst, uh, and who was reported by Julian Assange to have given up and been the source 
of revealing the corruption of the DNC, which would have hurt Hillary Clinton and did do some damage to her, at least in the land of the sane, in which we at least understood that the DNC was actively uh, looking to uh, coronate, you know, uh, coronate Hillary Clinton. Well, he came to an untimely end. And now we have another person. And these are just a few, by the way, but the most recent uh, is another enemy of Clinton who met an untimely suicide in this case. This is the individual, the reporter, who is the one who wrote about and revealed that infamous meeting uh, between Bill Clinton and Loretta Lynch on the tarmac. Now, this journalist's name is uh, Christopher Sign. So let's remember this individual's name who engaged in a brave act of journalism. Now, remember, of course, that Hillary Clinton was under investigation uh, for having an illegal uh, hard drive, uh, uh, not hard drive, forgive me, having an illegal server at her private home uh, that then would have been uh, prey to foreign attacks and interference because it was not protected uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, by uh, the government uh, systems of protection that were in place. So this was a violation of the law. And of course, while she was being investigated, Bill Clinton suddenly is meeting with Loretta Lynch, who was the then attorney general who would have been investigating these things. And gee, I wonder what Bill Clinton was talking about. Was he lobbying uh, Loretta Lynch to protect his wife and their future uh, candidacy? And, and possibility of becoming president in the United States. So, you know, it was, it was a, a private email server, okay, that she was using for official public communications, all right? And so the point is, when you're doing that, uh, you know, it carries the potential of re revealing state secrets to these foreign entities. And so the Department of Justice and the State Department, you know, uh, were supposed to be prosecuting this. And, of course, this was dropped and didn't happen. But this individual who broke that bombshell story uh, apparently was found dead. So now we have another individual who uh, was an enemy of the Clintons who was found dead of suicide. I'm telling you, you know, um, uh, you know if, if you want to meet a quick end, uh, come out against the Clintons. That's the way to do it. Uh, this, of course, won't get much more than a, a passing nod. And uh, it will be called a conspiracy theory, but it's very odd to me that there are so many individuals who find themselves dead at a young, healthy age. This individual, of course, Sign, that I'm talking about, Christopher Sign, he was 45 years old. He survived COVID. Uh, he made it to 45, uh, but now he's dead. And, um, uh, you know, our hat off to him for actually uh, uh, doing his job as a journalist. But I'm telling you what, folks, uh, there is something about these Clintons that uh, when you come out against them, uh, your life expectancy is, uh, is uh, shortened quite dramatically. Uh, I'm going to take one more short break here, and we're going to wrap up the show today. of our lives uh, under this uh, pandemic, COVID-19, uh, has been the greatest scam in American history. Uh, hydroxychloroquine, 
which could have saved countless American lives, was uh, decried and denied to people because Trump supported it. So for the sake of the Democrat Party's political future, uh, hydroxychloroquine uh, and Americans had to be sacrificed in order to attack Donald Trump. And that's what I was talking about in the previous episode about uh, the Democrat Party is off the rails and the Democrat voter is off the rails because their hatred for Donald Trump is so great uh, that they are willing to sacrifice American lives if it benefits their political careers and futures. Uh, now, I could end this segment by talking about a story about students saying the American flag symbolizes oppression. Um, that would be depressing, of course. Uh, I could talk to you of course, about a New Jersey school district who is striking holiday names from a calendar uh, in an attempt to be inclusive and equitable. I could talk about how uh, lobbies are, uh, well, they're lobbying Biden to kill another pipeline. Um, but I'm not going to go there. We're going to end on a, on a positive note because there is a pushback happening in this country, folks. And I've talked uh, before about this cold civil war we're in. And a cold civil war is different than a civil war, of course, because a civil war would be violent. A cold civil war, though, is um, happening beneath the surface. And uh, hopefully it will continue to be an ideological war that we are certainly going to win. So the NBA semifinals, um, well... They crashed double digits from 2019. Uh, why is that a positive thing? Uh, because people are sick of this Marxist crap and politics and our sports. The decrying and elimination of the national anthem, of kneeling players, of people going out and who've made millions of dollars claiming that we live in a systemically racist society that uh, rewards these minority athletes uh, in, to the tune of tens of millions of dollars and hundreds of millions of dollars in the case of people like LeBron James. Uh, and we also have um, some other pushback that's happening on in these school districts in which critical race theory is being shot down and uh, actual conservative, authentic, freedom-loving, patriotic Americans are taking back these school board positions. So we're a little late to the table. We should have been doing this for the past 30 years, but it's happening now. And that, of course, is good news. Um, I, how do I say this? Well, while this is good news, uh, you know, I, we can't move on from COVID. We have to stick with this because... Uh, what's happening in other countries that is totalitarian, for example, in rural India, do you know that police are forcing the unvaccinated to wear skull and crossbone signs? That's right. People who aren't vaccinated in India are being forced to wear skull and crossbone signs. So this is obviously unbelievable discrimination. And uh, what's different about a skull and crossbone sign instead of a star of David, for example, that marks part of your society as a pariah? as someone other, as someone who has a problem. Now, when we compare this, of course, to Nazi Germany, uh, the left and Democrats cry afoul. Oh, that's too far. You can't com conflate this with a Holocaust. No one's talking about the Holocaust. We're talking about what preceded the Holocaust. And I'm not suggesting the Holocaust in America is coming, but what these things represent is totalitarianism. And look, I said I actually lost pretty much all my Democrat friends uh, when masks were being implemented in California, not implemented, but forced and mandated, and I saw 
children walking around the streets with masks on their faces, even though the science already told us that they were not vulnerable. They didn't, they neither transmitted the disease to others, nor were um, susceptible to uh, suffering from it. Well, I said, what's different about this than wearing the Star of David? And my point was that uh, in, in Nazi Germany prior to the Holocaust, you know, the Jews were, uh, were, there were plenty of photos, you can look them up yourselves, of children smiling, walking down the streets, holding hands, wearing the Star of David to mark themselves as Jews. Now, many could say, well, you know, it's benign, you know, it, uh, it's just a slight inconvenience, of course. You know, what's the big deal about wearing the Star of David? Well, it's what it represents, the fact that the government can force people to even do that, to wear the Star of David, to show that they are somehow uh, not a part of society, that they are uh, a, a different part of society there, other than the German people. And this was what the masks were. It was, uh, you know, unbelievable that, of course, the government could mandate this to happen, that our children were walking around with masks on their faces. And the same argument we said, what's the big deal? You know, it's a minor inconvenience. They're wearing masks on their faces. Well, <clears throat> folks, it pointed <clears throat> at that time and now to totalin totalitarianism, to a government that could force uh, citizens to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, it's always been un-American, and uh, it continues to be un-American. And now you have, in the state of California where I live, for example, uh, you have uh, mass mandates being lifted in a matter of days or a week or so. I don't remember the date because I don't pay attention because it doesn't matter to me. I'm not going to wear a mask no matter what. I don't care. Nobody's going to tell me anything about what to do with my life or how to live it or whether to put a dirty face diaper on my face or not. But now... Uh, we're entering a new age of discrimination. This is no different than uh, what preceded 1964 in the Civil Rights Movement, right? When uh, black Americans were discriminated against, segregation was the law of the land. And, uh, you know, the same could be said then. Well, you know, you know, blacks still have schools. They still have their own water fountains. They can still eat food. They just can't do it here. They have to do this because why? They're black. Well, if you haven't been vaccinated now in states like California, uh, those who have been vaccinated, uh, the... Uh, in place, their places of employment are now going around and collecting their, uh, what is it? I don't know because I haven't been vaccinated. I don't plan. I, well, I never will get vaccinated for this. It's a joke. I'll just take hydroxychloroquine if it comes to that. You know, now that we know that, that will save my life, even though we've been not denied it uh, for the past year based on science. But science is fluid, okay? So when Fauci says, you know, uh, the science says it doesn't work, uh, you know, it doesn't work. And then all of a sudden the, the science changes and it works. Well, it worked all along. But anyway, so these places of employment are no different than these white establishments that went along with segregation and kicked blacks out of there and prevented them from eating. Because they're collecting their little cards or whatever it is you get, your little virtue signaling card that makes you feel uh, good and happy because the government gave you something. You've been vaccinated. Whoop-de-doo-dah. Uh, so if you don't have one of those cards to show, uh, you, the unvaccinated, in places like California, are going to have to continue wearing your mask like a pariah so that you will be labeled as the unvaccinated. This is what's happening in India. It's a joke, and it's no different than wearing the skull and crossbones. The mask that you have to wear now will continue to be your skull and crossbones. Uh, this is um, uh, outrageous. It's disgusting, and it's regressive. In, in, in a matter of a year, we have regressed uh, undone all the progress we've done for the past 244 plus years of American history to create a more perfect union. And now uh, this vaccine, apparently, if you haven't been vaccinated, uh, you are a pariah of society, someone who is loathsome, someone who is doing something wrong, and someone who has to be, uh, 
identified and pointed out to and, and, and basically decried as someone who hasn't done their responsible American duty because you haven't taken a vaccine. And we'll have to spend another episode and some other time on all these stories coming out across the world, by the way, about the, um, well, the dangers of this vaccine to, to many groups within our society, including our young children who are developing symptoms, heart problems, et cetera, because they've taken it. Uh, but, you know, this, uh, this, this vaccination push apparently isn't going away. It's still here. Climate change is coming. It's already here, and that'll be pushed. But uh, Democrats and uh, the world leaders around this, this well, the world, who uh, have enjoyed their last year of basically reducing you and I to slaves, their, their government slaves, uh, they're going to continue to push this because they, they're not ready to give up the power. And that's the truth. Uh, once you give something away, it's very hard to get it back. And that's been said countless times in American history. But uh, the message you should go with today is that uh, the American government is directly responsible, directly responsible for the murder of countless Americans by uh, preventing them from being treated with hydroxychloroquine, which has long been uh, uh, used to treat other illnesses in this country in which hasn't presented any danger and which now we know has proven to be effective. Um, but as I said, it's great to be with you again. Uh, I love sitting here and talking to you. It's just, I never knew I could have so much fun sitting behind this microphone with you all. And, uh, I would ask that, that you share this with other people, uh, that you spread the word, uh, so that I can sit behind this microphone more often and talk about the most important issues of our time. Now, we do only scratch the surface of the issues today, but the good news is there's always tomorrow. And these issues aren't going away, and you can count on me to continue to highlight those stories that have broader themes, uh, that highlight the real issues and dangers uh, and battles that we face ahead. Because uh, while there are thousands of fires being set, I will always focus on the ones that matter and get to the heart of the issue. Because the heart of the issue behind everything going on in this country is a Democrat party who uh, does not want to solve problems, who wants to exacerbate problems, because their entire existence depends upon there being problems. Uh, that paired with their totalitarian ambitions to fundamentally transform the way Americans view the relationship between them and their government, to undo the American experiment and put in its place a new un-American experiment that reduces you and I to slaves and uplifts them to master. This is Drew Allen, the 34-year-old millennial conservative voice of confident conservatism living in the lion's den of California, walking the walk, talking the talk, and encouraging Americans throughout this country to speak up. God bless you all. Until next time.